in life and in church. It is vital to know and to recognize who has the authority. We see in society that we have a parliament who pass laws. We have police officers and various others who enforce laws. And if we don't recognize their authority, we get into trouble. Indeed, if enough people don't recognize their authority, chaos ensues. As we saw with the reports from Dublin last week, chaos on every hand. Who has authority matters. And it matters in the church. How are we to know what is true, what is right, what is correct worship and what isn't? It's a question of authority. Last time I was preaching here, we we looked at the preeminence of Christ in creation. Verses 15 to 17 of Colossians chapter 1. As we read there in verse 16, all things were created by him and for him. He has the preeminence in creation. Now, what about the church? Remember that it is in Christ, verse 14, that we have redemption. We have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. We rejoice in that great truth. That is why the Son left the glory he had with the Father and took on him the form of a servant. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, we read, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So, we look back with thanksgiving for the life of Jesus. His life without sin. We look back with thanksgiving for his sacrificial, his substitutionary, his penal substitutionary death on the cross. And stand in amazement at the wonder of his glorious resurrection. But what about the church today? What is Christ's role in the church? What is his role in the local church? I think, first of all, we need to consider for a moment what is the church? So often we think of the church as a building, modern or old, whatever it's built of, we think of a building. Or perhaps as a great institution with a long history. The word in our text translated church is, however, helpful. 
It is the word ecclesia. It literally means called out. And was used in ancient Greece to refer to the gathering of citizens who were called together to make decisions. In our New Testament, this word speaks of those who have been called out to gather for worship and service. As we read in First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into this marvellous light. When we speak of church, we're, we're speaking of the gathering of those who have heard the wondrous truth of the gospel and who by the grace of God have responded in repentance and faith. We're thinking of those who the Father, Colossians 1 verse 13, hath delivered from the power of darkness and hath translated into the kingdom of his dear Son. The fact of redemption is vital, but it is redemption unto new life in the church. We see that after Jesus' death on the cross, his disciples met together. Indeed, it was as they were gathered together on the first day of the week that the risen Lord appeared to them. And we can recall how it was that Thomas was absent and he he missed out on that blessing because he was absent. The book of Acts describes how the Lord's disciples met together. They met together for prayer. They met together on the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. And then Peter preached on that occasion. And we read Acts 2 verses 41 to 42. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So we see there, there was baptism. There was the apostles' doctrine. There was fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers. They continued steadfastly. The saints gathered together. These are the marks of the church. 
in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus described his disciples as salt and light. If we think about light, it contrasts with darkness. The two do not mix. Light drives out darkness. Think of salt. It contrasts with corruption. The church is a called out gathered body. We are not to expect the world to love the church. Jesus made this very clear. His great high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. At verse 18 we read, If the world, if the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you're of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. The church is a gathered out group of people who are not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. When Christ returns, we shall see the church all gathered in a universal sense. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. In Revelation 19 you can read of the marriage supper of the Lamb. When all the Lord's people gather for that great celebration. But we don't see the church like that today. What we see are local gatherings of the Lord's people. Local assemblies, local meetings, local churches. These are local manifestations of the body of Christ. We hear the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the saints at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. He was writing to a local gathering of those whom God had called out to assemble together in the local church. Each of us is an individual. But 
we are called upon to join together as one body. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. The apostle is comparing the local church to your own body. And your own body is made up of many members, hands, feet, things which are seen, but also things which are more hidden, heart, lungs, kidneys, etc. Many members in your body, and each of them has to work together for your body to function. And that is the picture of the local church. Many members. There is that sense of commitment to working together, to being members one of another in the local church, of being members of the body of Christ in the local church. For indeed, the local church is that local manifestation of the body of Christ. Now let us look further at our text and we see that Christ is the head of the body, the church. The text could not be clearer. And he is the head of the body, the church. In Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where the Apostle Paul had that picture of our bodies and the many members. He didn't deal with the question of the head of the body. For the focus there was on unity in worship and service. The unity of the many members. But here in Colossians chapter 1 our eyes are lifted up onto the head of the church. The church universal. The church local. There is only one head of the church. With your own body. I hope that you know that all your coordination, all the activities of your body are drawn together by your head. This is to be true of the church also. However, we must also remember that Christ is not only the head, but he's also the very foundation of the church. Jesus gave us the picture of the man who built his house upon the sand, in contrast with the man who built his house upon the rock. He said, as we read in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these saints of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house, Upon a rock. The local church 
is to be founded upon Christ as the rock. It's to be built upon Christ as that rock. And Christ is to be the head of the church. The ongoing head of the church. Not just the start, but the continuation of the church as it is built. As it develops and grows. How does Christ exercise his headship in the church? It is by the Holy Spirit through the reading and hearing of Scripture. No, Jesus promised that he would be with his disciples even unto the end of the age. This promise is fulfilled through the work of the Holy Spirit, the another comforter, the another comforter of the same type. As Jesus promised in John chapter 14, the Holy Spirit in the new birth gives life to individuals and enables the members of the body of Christ to walk in newness of life. The Holy Spirit takes and uses the Word of God. For the Word of God is, Ephesians 6.17, the sword of the Spirit. In our day, the Lord has given His gifts to the church. His ascension gifts to the church. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. He gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We still have the apostles. We have their teaching. It's in our New Testaments. And the Lord is blessed in giving gifts today of pastors and teachers in the church who have the responsibility of reading and studying, of rightly dividing the word of truth, of taking it and applying it to our situation today. This is how the body of Christ is to be edified. This is how we are to be built up in the faith. How we are to be comforted, strengthened, encouraged. And even, dare I say, to be drawn back to the true path if we go astray. Dear friends, we've been so blessed in having God's Word. We are blessed of the Lord in having those who have been equipped and called upon to teach God's Word in the local assembly 
of the saints. But this is not to be a rule of tyranny. We are indeed to listen attentively. We are to obey those who have the rule over us. But it is to be a hearing of what Scripture says and not of what I think. For I can go astray just because I said or the pastor says it or our dear brother says it doesn't make it right. We've got to always be responsible hearers who are like those who the Apostle Paul found at Berea. What did they do at Berea? Why did he count them as more worthy? Because they examined the Scriptures. They searched the Scriptures to see whether those things were true. We are to continue in the Apostles' doctrine just as the disciples did in Acts 2. It is as we do this that we hear the voice of Christ. It is as we do this that we exalt Christ as the head of the church. Sadly, the week before last, I heard a a recording of a very senior church leader in a large denomination in England say that the blessing of same-sex marriage in church cannot be considered wrong because it's not mentioned in any of the ancient creeds of the church. I have to say that this is an illustration, an example of one of the dangers of which we face. The creeds are significant and important. Our own 1689 confession of faith is important and we stand upon it. But they do not deal with every issue which the church faces. Because many of these issues were so abhorrent to the people who drew them up that they never considered there would be a need to highlight the distinctive teaching of Scripture on the point. Our confession of faith is a secondary, a subsidiary standard. Why do we say that? Because we always must go back to Scripture, to God's Word as our foundation. We must ask that question, Romans 4 verse 3, what saith the Scripture? It is in Scripture that we know what the head of the church has said on the subject. We need to be people who know the Word of God 
and can rightly divide it. It is then that we will not be carried about by every every changing wind of doctrine. We will not be blown about by popular opinion. We must come back and stand on Christ and his word. He is the head of the church. Christ is to be central to all the life of the church. Christ is to be central to all the life of the church. Perhaps we don't always value the local church as we should do. Gathering together is important. The words of Hebrews 10.25 came to my mind as I was preparing this. We read there, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. There are many distractions, and sometimes, sometimes church isn't as exciting as we might like it to be. Sometimes we may feel a little discouraged. But assembling together, gathering together as that local manifestation of the body of Christ is important, is vital in the life of the disciple of Jesus Christ. We should be eager to meet with our brothers and sisters in Christ. To spend time together in worship, in prayer. Dear friends, we have so much to give thanks for. God's grace and God's mercy. And in meeting together, we have opportunities to encourage and to help one another. We have that great opportunity together to hear God's word opened up and applied. We are to be a blessing to each other in our own individual gifts and talents. We're all different. We all have different strengths and weaknesses. It is as we gather together that we are that local body of Christ. We gather on the first day of the week and here we remember especially that Jesus rose in triumph from the dead. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead. 
the saints of the Lord gather to break bread and to drink of the cup in that time of communion which our blessed Saviour commanded us saying this do this do in remembrance of me this is to be no mere ritual an act of outward form this is to be a time of devoted remembrance a time of special communion communion with our risen Saviour our risen Lord as we partake he is spiritually present with us What blessings are ours when we take the opportunity to meet with the Lord's people. The local church has a responsibility. Responsibility to heed the call of Christ our head. Matthew 28 verse 19 where he said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. The local church is not some form of social club. We gather with purpose. We gather for worship. But we also have the responsibility of evangelism. Of bringing God's glorious truth. The message, the only message of hope amidst the darkness of this world, the despair of this world, to those around about us, to tell people of the terror of God's law, that is true, to warn them that they have transgressed, they have broken God's law, and that means you. Each of us has broken God's law. We are all sinners. Some have done so more openly than others. But all of us have times of covetousness or dishonesty or not putting God first in everything. That's a big one, isn't it? Not putting God first in everything. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart. And all your being. We're all sinners. We all deserve God's 
wrath, punishment, solemn. But we also go with the wonderful good news that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. When we do that, of course, we're remembering that the apostles said, of whom I am chief. We don't do it because we're specially good. We do it because God is gracious. And he has reached out to us in grace and mercy. He has shown us his love and we are here to share the truth of his grace and mercy with those around to shine out the light of the gospel. We're called upon to sow the seed. We look to the Lord to give the increase in due season. Christ has preeminence in creation. Christ has preeminence in the church. He is the head of the church. But what about you? Is he your Lord? Have you bowed in repentance and faith? Or are you living your life doing what you think is right in your own eyes? It's a terribly dangerous position to be in. You face the prospect of having to hear Christ say to you, Depart from me, for I never knew you. The prospect of having to face that eternal punishment which is reserved for the devil and his angels. Oh, dear friends, call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. He is gracious. He is merciful. Christ Jesus is the good shepherd who gave his life to save his people from their sins. Amen.